Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's up, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, HH. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook. What's, what's the other one? SoundCloud. If you're listening on SoundCloud, give us a follow. Um, X videos as well, if you want. <laughs> you know, are we on there? <laughs> probably, trust me, everything's on there, so I, I, I'm probably on there as well. So, <laughs> Do you know when people upload like uh, like a skill on Pornhub? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah, do you yeah. do it? Like... No, 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 no. What's it called? I, I think like highlights of the Brazil Germany game was actually uploaded there under, the, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like screwed over, you know. <laughs> team team gets screwed. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it? Twitter. Twitter's obviously the main one. Um, if you could follow us on that. Let's let's try to get like a thousand followers by the end of the year. I think that could be a goal. On Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty close. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. Um, if you're listening on an Apple device, subscribe. It's free. If you're in the mood for it, you can leave us a five-star review, and we will read it on the show. We did get one. It's been a while since I read a review. This one's been in here for a while. I just keep forgetting, so apologies to Jean the Ivorian. He mm-hmm. said, this is a world-class podcast. I love y'all's Whoa. energy and connection. HH and Carl's arguments will have me crying of laughter. <laughs> really hope this podcast could go on as long as possible. Respect. Thank you, Jean. I am not mentioned, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, what a, what, a, what a bastard. No, 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 no. That's cool. Um, if, if you do want the podcast to go on as long as possible, though, uh, consider becoming a patron. Yeah. Um, and you can support us that way. But um, yeah, no, thank you for the kind words. So those are very, very yeah, kind yeah. Of, like and anybody who takes time out to leave us a review on, on iTunes. I know a lot of people listen on different podcast apps, and you don't necessarily have an Apple device. But anybody that does and just takes the time out to give us a, a, a nice rating and a nice review and just good words of encouragement and stuff like that, it really means a lot. Um, mm. Just kind of continuing the theme of things that mean a lot. Like uh, anybody that's on Patreon that takes money out of their pocket, like that's crazy. <laughs> mm. Did you ever feel, I don't want to say guilty because like sometimes hard work deserves, not sometimes, hard work deserves some sort of compensation or whatever but like sometimes like if when you're doing like a stream or anything and like you see somebody just keep giving you money like yeah. you, is there a little bit of you that's just like bro like no, stop no, 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 but, but see that's funny like initially i was because i was like wow but then i watched this um show called jody's corner on um youtube and like it's basically like this black guys from la who basically talk about entertainment stuff and everything and i actually because i like them so much and I resonate with them so much. I actually even donate towards them. So once I did, I was like, oh my gosh, so now I get it. If you just really like someone, you have to have that urge to actually support them and give money to them if you just really like someone. So I just didn't understand it until I was on the opposite end as a fan of something else. Because again, I don't I'm like, wait, why are guys fans of me? Why? Why would you even give me one couple? But um, yeah, it's just uh, so so yeah, so it's just something that's like quite humbly i'm like wow so people like you so much and they're actually willing to, to give cash towards it to say you what's up so yeah 
Yeah, hum- humbling. Humbling is the best word for it. But yeah, um, if if you do want to help us out in that way, there's a link in the description and you can investigate the tiers and see which one's right for you. And at the end of the podcast, what I'm going to start doing is just kind of leaving the first minute or so of the of the Patreon. I'm not going to put it here, but uh, just at the end of the podcast, there'll be like a little snippet or not even a snippet, but just like the first minute or so of uh, the Talking Tactics Extra so you can get a feel for it. And I think that's all the begging that we have to do. <laughs> so <laughs> so we can get into the podcast. Look, there's a there's a bunch of things that we could talk about. I don't think any of them are necessarily vital that we discuss first so we have a bank of topics here and i'll just let you pull one. Oh no i think being being biased and using my my bias i think i'm gonna start off with afcon let's go i'm liking it a couple of of thoughts um so first thought is what's the point of qualification there are a lot of teams um so my thing about it is that very impressed with zimbabwe very impressed with uganda and so forth but then, the, then I mean, Uganda, I think, have now sort of gotten themselves back into the map. But, we back, we back. <laughs> but, but my thing about it is that I look at a team like um, Tanzania, and I got a feel for my boy Emmanuel Amunike, a Nigerian legend and a great, who's obviously the manager of, of Tanzania. Senegal should have beaten them like seven. It should have been a reincarnation. If Nyong wasn't a Class B brick, it would have been a reincarnation. So when you see that, it's like, okay, yeah, I, it is cool to see more teams participate. But the whole point of a competition is the qualification is a vetting process, so you get almost the best possible games throughout the competition. Of course, eventually you're always going to get that five six zero, but you're you're trying your best. But like the qualifications where everyone can take part. Mm-hmm. But when it now gets to the real competitions, but no, the qualification is where you know this has to now be a place for the best of the best. So that's one thing there. Another thing is um, I am seeing more and more local coaches. Still too many white coaches for my liking. <laughs> Still, so many no name. Both of our teams have colonizer coaches. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're not colonizers or coaches there, but still no local coaches. But I think I think I have actually I have the Afcon hasn't lost its vibe and its atmosphere. And I'm and even from the games I've watched, I'm like, you know, a lot of excitement to to the games. Like I haven't yet seen a total board game. I mean, I've missed a few games. I think two games I've missed. But when the games I've watched, I am liking the excitement and everything. So I'm very much again. By the time this comes, I think I think Ghana play in the evening on on Tuesday, so that's obviously going to be a big one, um, based on you know all of the Ghanaian guys that I know. So yeah, I mean I've liked um, there isn't that massive gap between the big teams and the smaller teams. Ivory Coast only won one zero. Uganda they beat Dia Congo. Egypt only won one zero. Nigeria only won one zero. So we haven't really seen a total white. What's it called? Um, it took like the ninety something minutes for Morocco to get their goal, and it wasn't an own goal. So what I like is that, you know, the lower tier teams are really giving the higher tier teams and the favorites a real what game. What was so the I think score of the um, Algeria-Kenya game? Was it 1-0, 2-0, or was it? 2-0 to Algeria. I think Mari's now. I've got some one of those goals. So, yeah, Mali, Mauritania is happening right now. Cameroon, Guinea-Bissau tomorrow, and Ghana-Benin is the late game, and then games in the second round of the game. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, very. it's, I mean, it's things... I, I like how competitive all the games have, have been. As I said, there's not been a total... one. The most one-sided game has been the Senegal game. But even if that was one-sided, they only won 2-0. So. It's, it's a fun... Like, I've always enjoyed... Maybe that's just because, you know, I have skin in the game in some ways. But I've always enjoyed AFCON over Copa America. I, you see, the, the Euros is interesting because that's where all the powerhouse countries mm. um, 
that in in terms of club football, where you have England, Spain, France, Germany, Italy, like all of those teams are there, then they have their national teams there. So the Euros always takes that kind of kind of preeminence in terms of the federation tournaments. Mm. But do you enjoy the Euros or Afcon more? Oh, Afcon way more, way more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what, I, I mean, what I'll say is the best tournaments I've ever seen in my life was Euro 2000. That is the best tournament I've, I've ever seen, even including World Cup and everything. That's, that was an incredible tournament, Euro 2000. Like, for me, Cup America is, I think, it's the best tournament in terms of entertainment and quality of football. But the most entertaining, the one I enjoy the most, is always AFCON, always. And, and also, AFCON have the craziest goalkeepers as, as well. Like, all the goalkeepers have a personality. There's something about them that I don't trust you. Whenever they want to start wasting time, it's like the acting is so melodramatic. As in, these guys will be rolling down, shaking their crap. head, all that stuff. It's amazing. We're, we're, we're talking about the tournament. If I could talk about one thing specifically before mm. we move on. Can you explain to me why John Obi Mikel is playing number 10 or starting as your number 10? Can oh. you explain? Oh, no, no. oh, oh, oh. Um, look, everybody is free to try. Cool. He tried. And if you play like that against flipping Burundi, Burundi is going to be Nigeria's easiest game in this tournament. Mikel's international career is is finished. It's done. So, like, you know, there's nothing was like his, his international career. Thank you for your to the help. Thank you for 2013. Your international career is finished and it's done. Like, he doesn't have the legs in him anymore. If you can't do anything against Burundi, nah, bro, it's over. Maybe if you wanted to drop maybe uh, is it a table and mm-hmm. put and Ndidi and Mikel in the pivot, and then you play Musa, Iwobi, Chukeze, and then probably Igalo, rather than... You guys have, like, some monster striker who's, like, 6'9". I'm like, why is this guy in the NBA draft? For now. Why is he playing striker? Like, he should be learning how to bro, shoot free like that, that made no sense, bro. <laughs> shout, shout out to you, Gandido. We look good. We look good. I'm, I'm, I'm confident, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean... I mean, I mean what... Was it a case of Uganda's great organization and general play or Dia Congo underperforming? Because it was a blend of both. It was a blend of both. It was a blend of both. We have yeah, like mean, the hardworking 442, solid structure, enough flair in the team, especially with Farouk Mia, who's I think is going to be one of the players of the tournament. That way, like he'll get the ball and he'll create something out of nothing. So we have that kind of unpredictability up top. And we have one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Dennis Onyango. Um, but that's that's either here or there. <laughs> but yeah, Congo, they just nah man. It's it's not looking good for them, I don't think. Yeah, no, no, no. Because like they you see the thing with them is like because I was really impressed with them in the last half corner, but I think because you could just tell how defensively they had Yungana had figured out their Congo, then their Congo were like, okay, let's now Basically, as how you call like ice iso ball in basketball, everyone just like being an, an individual. Okay, let's just try and dribble, and it was just very disorganized, very just all over the place. And I think they just found it very difficult to have a game plan to break down Uganda because Uganda knew how to defend, also they knew how to counter. And it's good that we play Egypt last, so hopefully we won't Egypt won't need any points, we won't need yeah. any points, anything like that. So you know, if we if we take care of business against Zimbabwe, we'll be all right. But yeah, yeah that's that's all Afcon stuff. We'll be back there. Um, Copa America, we won as well. What's going on in uh, in Brazil? Well, Jesus is off penalties. What's going on? Everton Suarez, man, quickly making Neymar irrelevant in Brazil. 
quickly making a name of relative Brazil. So I think Brazil definitely needed that was like their real coming out performance that they needed, which was that um five zero against Peru, which I think is a mm. damn good result against Peru. Willian wearing number 10, bro. That's just weird, man. Yeah, I, very I don't good. know if but I like it, man. He scored a very number 10 esque goal. That was it. That was goal was worthy of double shits. If he does that for Chelsea next season, I think fans will probably get off his back. Because mm. he, he can't do those types of things on the right. Because he he doesn't have a left foot like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but you have Hazard, but Hazard's now gone. So maybe you put Willie in there, and that little move that he has, I think he's thirty-one, or he's gonna be thirty-one. Maybe it's too late for him to really flourish doing that. Like maybe he's lost a, a step or whatever. But if he can pull that kind of stuff off for Chelsea, speaking selfishly, could be good. I want to talk about Messi's miss. Why? The ball went straight in the air, like. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 it no, 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 no. no, no, no. It was a bad miss, but you could, when you see it in slow motion, you could just see how he just, he, he, he mistimed when he made connection with the ball because as soon as he hit it, the ball just bubbled up. So he mistimed it. If he had waited a fraction of a second a bit later, it goes on target and probably goes in. It was a bad yeah, miss. I, you know how people take videos and post them on Twitter? I only yeah. saw that version. I wasn't able to see, like, probably when they slowed it down and you see the bubble, but I was just like, bro, like, it went straight, but. The wrong kind of straight, because normally when you say go straight, you're meaning like left to right. This was like vertical straight. I was like, bro, he's the goat, allegedly. <laughs> so, have you gleaned any information from the Copa of like who's gonna be favorite, or has it changed your mind? Maybe Uruguay um, or Brazil. Colombia are looking very impressive. Colombia, okay. The thing about it is that I always I just assumed that they'd go with Falcao, which is why I never said that they'd win it. But with Dugan Zapata as this year's mm. main striker, they look at a different team. If Zapata and James Rodriguez can remain fit, I think it's between Colombia and Uruguay. Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. If Chile win it three times in a row, I mean, is this one of the best South American gen um, generations of a team that we've ever seen? Three in a row is a dynasty. Yeah. You know, if we want to go to NBA terms, like Jordan had two dynasties, but, you know, it's kind of one because he went to play baseball. But when you do a three-peat, like the Lakers in the early 2000s, that's a dynasty. Mm. Maybe you could consider the Warriors now a kind of a dynasty, but they have like three and four years. I mean, I mean, would you call Brazil's a dynasty? Like 58, 62, and 70? That's three to four. So, yeah, I think I would. Yeah. And mm. because it has it had the same players or at least one player throughout all of them. So Pele's there throughout. Yeah. So if you have the kind of continuity of players, then I can consider it a dynasty, even if you don't go all the way in a row, if you know what I mean. See, see Spain is, is definitely a, a dynasty for, for sure. For sure. Yep. Like, what's it called? 2008, 2010, 2012. For, for sure, that's a dynasty. Would France have been a dynasty? 98, 2000. And then, and then you got to like 2006. No, 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 no. That's 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 not, not a, a, a dynasty. Close, yeah. but not a dynasty. Close, but not a dynasty. Yeah, I like think it's, it's, it's like if they had won in 06, it would have been a dynasty. Because mm-hmm. you would have that link of Zidane doing. Yeah, yeah, he would have been the Pele for that example. But yeah, I think I think Chile, if they went three in a row, they have a good argument. Definitely a dynasty in South American football. Which so that would mean that Alexis Sanchez has what Messi wants. Damn. <laughs> and Messi kicked him out of Barcelona, allegedly. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I mean, no, no, I think, no, but, you know, like, there's like a funny image where like, um, you know, when um, 
they lost the penalty shootout in 2016. And it's thing like Messi crying. You then see like Sanchez like in the background with like a weird smirk and smile. And it's like it just it looks look so weird. And then you obviously there's the undercurrent of him being kicked out of Barca by Messi. So yeah. All right. Um what's next? What do you want to talk about next? Okay, let's talk about Mikey Ashley, I suppose. Mike Ashley um has somehow come up with some crappy excuse that um he doesn't have enough cash to pay for um Rafa Benitez. Aren't they being taken over? Well, that was the alleged um story that's apparently that, that they're being taken. And that's what I thought was because we're gonna happen and Mike Ashley was gonna sell it, but obviously it's not happened. So the Newcastle fans are pretty much extremely pissed off. Alan Shearer put out a tweet saying how pissed off he was and obviously thanking Benitez for his job and everything. So I think might be a certain point of fans versus the owner. I mean, this dude renamed the stadium the Flipping Sports Direct Stadium. Do you know how sick that that is? How- <laughs> Like St. James Park is like a cool name for a stadium. That's name is, and I, because again, I just grew up knowing that the St. James's Park Sports Direct. I mean, are you mad? (laughs) So, um, that, yeah, that's like, that's like, yo, if they named, uh, like Old Trafford, if they renamed it. (laughs) Oh, no, no, because there's this game on, on the Android called Football Chairman. And like, if you do well enough, like there's a company that I said, man, will offer you X amounts of millions if you rename your stadium after a, a company. And I always say no. Because I'm like, wait a minute. I just came up with a really cool name for my stadium. I know you're offering me a lot of money. And I'm not, I, I'm in dire straits. Screw you, man. I'm not really renaming my flipping stadium, man. Screw you. If this is what makes the fans mad, hasn't he? He's been at the helm of them being relegated twice now. Mm. Why wouldn't that be the thing that like, Put you over the top. No, but 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 my question is this though. So Newcastle fans are saying, like, you know what? The only way that we can really make our voice heard is that we, we don't buy any tickets, we don't buy the merchandise, we don't buy any of the jerseys. Now, how likely do you think that 95% of the fans say next season we won't buy the new jersey, we won't come to the home games and so forth? Do you think how is that really gonna happen? Because we sort of had this conversation before where like the only way that you can really change things for a club like for instance the whole Stan Kroenke thing is if 95% of the fans as a whole say you know what screw you we won't, we won't buy the new jersey we won't buy any of the tickets and everything which will really damage the income of, of, of the club until mm-hmm. you change things but people so need their club they so look forward to that Saturday because they they build a life around that that it's going to be almost impossible to get at least 95% of the, of the fan base to to do that. So my cash is like, I can do whatever the hell I want. You guys will still buy that new jersey and you'll still buy that home ticket for for, for the matches. So, I do think there's a point where an owner can get so arrogant that that arrogance could supersede a fan's love for the club. So like you hate him so much that you're willing to sacrifice something that you like in order to make what you like better. So if he goes one step too far, maybe this could be, you know, the, what's it called? The straw that broke the camel's back or whatever the saying mm. is. Maybe this could be it. I, I, I do remember, though, there was a situation that happened with Liverpool where Liverpool fans decided they were going to boycott or do a walkout or whatever the case was um, about ticket prices. And it did affect the board or the ownership's decision 
think it's Fenway Sports Group or something like that. It affected like what they did, and they what whatever Liverpool fans were protesting, they succeeded in the protest. But again, I'm from from everything I hear. Like Newcastle is a quite football mad place, and mm, very like you moving that from their heart isn't going to be easy. So I guess we could talk about the San Siro. I saw earlier today, there's a tweet from, I think it was Gold. It was like, what are the most iconic stadiums in football? Mm. Um, and I put the the Maracana in uh, in Rio. Um, but I saw a lot of people saying San Siro, San Siro. So I was like, why? what's up with San Siro? And then you click it and like, yo, the Milan people want to destroy it and build something new. Mm. It's like, that, that's not cool. Like, it's a legendary place. Like, well, no, I mean, but, but then, um, so yeah, I have the same sentiment about Hazem. Obviously, it's not fun. He said that basically the club don't really own it, so they don't really. It's it's not economically. It's not has it's not it has not been economically viable to stay there. So by moving to this new stadium, they will therefore benefit better financially and economically moving and building this new stadium. So I was like, you know what, that is fair. But my gosh, I mean, it is going to be, be painful when that thing gets destroyed because. I grew up watching Champions League games in the San San Siro. It is one of the most iconic stadiums in the world. And I, for, for me, if you were to ask me, name the most iconic stadium, for me, it's 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 probably the San Siro. It's probably this. If, I just, if you had to see, I just name one truly iconic stadium, just iconic. Obviously, you have the Deli Alpi, you have the Camp Nou. May, you, you may argue Old Trafford, you may have the Amsterdam Marina, but really, if I had to pick one, it's probably the San Siro. Because it's so unique. Like, just what it looks like, the atmosphere. Basically, it feels like the Colosseum. You know, it feels like the Colosseum from back in the day. So, and and you can't replicate that kind of history, which is why you know when we look at um, Highbury, Arsenal should have expanded Highbury, not broken it down, because there's just something unique about that Highbury Stadium, like how the camera was was very low down. It couldn't be be high up. Hence why they couldn't play Champions League games at the Harbour because they didn't, it wasn't big enough. But there was just a unique patch of grass that they should have just ex- ex- expanded it. So, yeah. So, what's the, what's the most legendary ground in England? Yeah, it's 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 between Old Trafford and Anfield. I mean, it's, it's hard to choose. Old you see, Trafford. what's interesting in in uh, what is it, in the Merseyside is like you have the the Stanley Park place, and it seems like where Anfield is and where Goodison Park is, you could take a rock. And you could throw it from one stadium to the other, and you'd hit it. Oh yeah, um, really? So like a literal stone's throw is what it seems like. It's very interesting that the San Siro. I've always thought it weird. Like so, Milan and Inter, they both play in the same spot. Like how come they don't have different ones? But you know, I, I haven't done an investigation. Oh yeah, into no, no, it's, it's, it's kind like, of the origin of the stadiums. I actually but... watched. Do you have you heard of Rabona TV? Yeah, Maybe. so it's like this. This dude that does all these dog dog football documentaries and stuff about different football stories on topics. And he did one about why Inter and AC shared the same stadium. And I can't remember fully why, but it definitely <laughs> just have something to do with them. Because I know that like, Iceland had it, then Inter Milan then joined up with them, then they then decided just to share it together when Inter Milan joined up with them. But yeah, there is there is like a whole story and everything. Um, so, so, so do you know, once it's destroyed... Inter and uh, Milan are they fending for themselves, or are they in this together to build their own? Well, what I read is it's a six hundred million plus euro credit that they are both opting into. So I think they're actually uh, both 
going to do the same thing again into this whole new stadium, which will be ready by 2022. Yeah, because it would be like Liverpool and Everton playing in the same spot, which would make sense considering they're both basically in the same spot, just that they have their own stuff. Um, what's next? What do you want? What, what, what do you want to hit next? All right, let's 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 hit these dudes then. So, is 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 Neymar done? So what kind of question is that? Yeah, no, because no, it's like no, no, so, no, so, yeah. no, 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 no. In this sense, it's like so. PSG don't want him. Barcelona fans don't want him. Real Madrid don't seem to be in for him. Man United allegedly rejected a swap deal involving him on Pogba. So swap deals never happen. There's been like one swap deal of note in the past three years. The Alexis. The worst swap swap deal of all time. Say it again. What is the worst swap deal of all time? Uh, William Gallus plus five million for Ashley Cole. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more Ibra Etzo. I mean, those are two world class players. I mean. You know, Inter and Barca kind of did well in some ways. Um, but yeah, I I don't think Arsenal did great business because William Gallas didn't he threaten to score an own goal if they didn't <laughs> let him go? But yeah, William Gallas plus five million for the best left back in the world seems pretty bad. That's a one back to back troubles, by the way. I just want to point that out. Could you imagine two years, six trophies? Incredible! Oh yeah! Oh, oh my god! You know, I, I just I just I just clocked it. I was like, let's see, wait, what's this going about? Oh yeah, oh nine and 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 twenty ten. Oh my god, how much do you want to say about the whole gorilla doesn't like Africans narrative? Yeah. Not today, <laughs> not today, not today. Um, this whole thing about is Neymar done? No, have hope. He's not fit. If he was healthy, PSG are probably in the semifinal of the Champions League, and nobody's saying anything. But his ankles and his foot is just made of I don't know what. Some break brittle material, and he clearly can't stay fit. That's the problem. How long do we have to keep using that flipping um, excuse of like, oh my gosh, he's not fit enough? He's not. I mean, it's like grow some muscle, get tougher. It's <laughs> it's it's some vegetables, bro. Pounded yeah with a goosey. And the yam eba amala. Is it an excuse that Harry Kane keeps twisting his ankle? Or is that just a part of his biological makeup? Like, it's not an excuse that he, like, misses some games and Tottenham slip in the table, for it. For example. Neymar seemingly has a problem with his metatarsals. And that's not an excuse, I don't think, because it consistently happens. Maybe you could argue, and we don't know this, is he keeping care of his body in the same way that he might if he was somewhere else? Maybe not. Who knows? But I, I just think when you have these reoccurrence of injuries, the same one over and over and over again, that's not your fault. Like, that's just your body being it. If you're a club, do you then buy him knowing that? Even if you know that he's fully skilled, would you, is, is, it, is it worth the risk? This is the very interesting part about PSG, perhaps wanting to sell. What if they know information that we don't? Ah, okay. That... That perhaps, ooh, like there's a test or a scan that we saw that this injury is going to keep happening and happening and happening. So let's just give him the Barca as soon as he can maybe complete a medical and just give their problem back to them. Or if Madrid wants him, fine, just give us the money that we paid for him so we don't look silly. Like, yo, if, if we bought him for 222 and we sell him for 150 it looks like we made a 70 million mistake. We can't have that. So 
if someone's willing to buy him, fair enough. You know, you, you know what I think. You know, oh my gosh, that I I think I think you've just given me that light bulb moment. I think you're right. Like, because I've always thought, okay, I'm just trying to think about. So why would Pietro come out with this statement? You knew who Neymar was. You know what it's about. So suddenly, like, oh no, we're now all about professionals. And if people don't want to be professionals, they they, they can now leave. It's like, wait a minute, why would you just come out and just? Say you're against Neymar when you were, when you literally actually supported and encouraged his flamboyant behavior. I believe that this is just a cover up. That they are saying, no, this dude isn't going to give you full fitness for a season. Mm. He's just not going to give you that. So you have to now come up with a statement that is sort of saying, without fully saying, bro, piss off, get the hell out of here. Which is why it's comes back to the whole thing of like, is Neymar done in the sense of if he now has a serious chronic injury and other clubs are reading between the lines of like, oh, no, 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 we see past that BS statement. Dude has a chronic injury. He's super tense, but is he still worth 160, 180 if he gets injured for two, three months during a, a crucial time of the of this season? There you go. For, for me, I think I would take the risk if you're a team like Barcelona and you don't have to give up, say, a Coutinho or a Dembele or an Umtiti. If you have enough squad depth to where Neymar goes down, we install Usman. We can do it. Um, if you're Real Madrid, you buy him. Oh, we have Vinicius. We have Hazard. We have Bale, maybe. I don't know if Bale's going to be there. But, you know, just as presently constituted. If you're one of those teams, maybe you could. If you're Manchester United, though, do you take a risk on Neymar? You pay big money and your backup is... Juan Mata, not quite worth it for me. <laughs> you know, yeah. your backup is, I'm trying to think of the wingers, Alexis Sanchez, who seems to be broken. Um, Martial, who, you know, we don't know. Um, so if you're just looking at the names, or like suppose Chelsea were still in the transfer market, you buy Neymar. It goes the way of Torres, for example, and your backups are Pedro and Pulisic or whatnot. Like, it's, it's not worth it. So I, yeah. if, I, if, if I was Barcelona and I didn't have to give up, I'm assuming one of my French stars, so Umtiti or Dembele with other names I'm seeing. I'd do it. Messi needs help. And if we could get Griezmann, whew, that would be a hell of a good summer. But, 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 but the thing is that I, I was reading a report where Barca fans, they did like a poll amongst Barca fans, and they said they'd rather the club bought Delete than buy Neymar. So 70% said that they actually wouldn't be happy for Neymar to return to Barcelona. Well, that's because they feel probably that Messi can continue to give you 30 goals and 15 assists in every league campaign. Messi's going to hit a cliff eventually, and he's going to need help. And Suarez isn't going to be that guy to, like, supplement the goals anymore. You need Griezmann. You need someone like Neymar. We think it could be Usman, but Usman kind of has the same injury problems as, as Neymar. So it's an interesting thing, but I definitely think there's something sketchy going on with Neymar's health to where PSG are like, hmm. Maybe this is a good time to cut bait and sell while like this is as good as his stock is ever going to be. Because because they're from Qatar. I always thought they bought him to become... You know how Zidane is like a Qatari sponsor for the World Cup and they like endorse him or he endorses them or whatever and like he's going to do World Cup stuff? I always thought this was... I think Carl calls it maybe like a soft power move by the Qatari government to bring in Neymar to legitimize the World Cup. So I always thought he was going to stay until at least 2022. And then after World Cup in 2022, they allow him to leave after he does kind of his service for PSG and uh, and Qatar, the country. But 
again, if they know that, like, bro, this guy's ankle, his foot, there's problems every year. He's not reliable. We can't count on him. We're paying him a lot of money. Maybe it's just not worth it at this point. And you just kind of move on to, to pastures new. You want to get into Pogba? La Biel. <laughs> Who do you choose and why? Real Madrid or Juventus, if you're Pogba? If I'm Pogba, oof. There are pluses and minuses to both, in my opinion. I think if you go to Juventus, there's not going to be a big acclimatization period because you've been there before. Um, you speak the language. You know probably most of the players that are there, even though some are new. You're going to have Ronaldo there to take most of the bullets for you in terms of who's going to get the blame when things go wrong. At Manchester United, it seems like he got most of the blame because he is the star player of the team. At Juventus, he's just another piece, which kind of complements what he did last time when he was at Juventus, when he was more more so a piece. When he had, you know, Pirlo and Vidal and all the other, all the other rest of them. For Real Madrid, I think you're going to what seems to be at least a star-studded project. Where again, you it's not going to be all on you. You'll probably be the star guy there, but Ramos will still be there. Marcelo will be there. Hazard will be there. Um, Benzema will be there. Modric, Kroos. You're again. You're going to be a piece. You're not going to be the end-all, be-all a la Manchester United. Cons for Juventus is, are you going to work in Sarri's system? Do you still feel that even if you're enough to give them the chance to really what they crave? So there's a, and that's, there's a whole thing of like, you're going back to Juventus. Is that really a move forward if you're sort of going back to where you just left? Cons of Real Madrid, obvious. It's the pressure of Real Madrid. When, when you come, you'll become with massive fanfare and people, there's great expectation if you're coming in in that midfield to sort of be the guy that is a successor to Modric when he obviously gets older and moves on. And there's that, there's, that's a great expectancy to lead them towards a La Liga title and to win that Champions League again. Mm. These dudes won three in a row. You know, I'm still not going to get over that, bro. <laughs> that's Four to five. Four to five, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a dynasty. Again, it's a dynasty. Yeah, that's, that's, that's messed up, man. Speaking of Juve, okay, we will be able to talk about the lit. How do you feel about the lit? It's like, are we overhyping this dude a bit too much? He's nineteen, and it's like, oh, where is he gonna go? Juve, PSG, this. I'm like, bro, okay, yeah, you played pretty well in one championship campaign. You're nineteen, bro. There is no guarantee that you're gonna be the the next great defender because people are talking about him like if he's guaranteed to be the next great defender in the world. What if this guy did declines? And your stripes, bro. And your stripes. I just think we're, we're, we're getting a bit too hyped up with this whole that the elites do. Um, you know what I find interesting about about the lit is like, so he's he's nineteen, right? Mm. If he if he was from Nigeria, you think people would believe he was nineteen? <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> he seems so much older than like nineteen. It's it's incredible. I mean, like it, it doesn't look young though. He look like his 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 face looks young, but his face, but his play does not yeah. scream at you, teenager. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He's, he's probably lying. Probably like, lying. like, kind of like Mbappe. He plays beyond his years, but in the same way, you can understand. Like a teenager would be able to run that fast and do those kinds of physical things. The way Delit plays, like mentally, he sees the game, he reads the game well, and he's nineteen. But yeah, that's that's what I find interesting. I haven't watched enough really of Ajax outside of the Champions League to know about whether the Lit's good, whether Van de Beek's good, whether the Young's good. I mean, you see people talk about it on Twitter, like they have Eredivisie, like they watch that every week. 
I really mm. feel like a lot of you guys are just probably talking some shit that you really don't know about. <laughs> Personally speaking, like I, I'd rather listen to somebody that like watches Ajax or just watches Dutch football um, religiously and hasn't just watched like 10 games in the Champions League and created their opinion off that. So I don't feel comfortable enough speaking on like projecting whether he's good or whether he's great or whether, what he's going to be. But I, I'm curious to see because he does seem like a player that you would want in your in your defensive structure for the next 10, 12 years. What do you want to talk about next? Oh, so should we talk about um, the women's World Cup? Okay. Can, I mean, can people just chill? Is it, is it really that big a deal? You won the flipping game. What do you mean? Move on. Bloody England against bloody Cameroon. I said, you won the game. Just move on. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. FIFA must strike them. It was like, oh, shut the hell up, man. Just, just move on. The, the, the hand-wringing I find in some ways, I get it because what they were doing was f***ed up. Mm. I, I guess that, that would be the way to put it. On, on one hand, I understand. On the other hand, I feel like it's trash. Men do this all the time, and it's not seen as some stain on the men's game or anything like that yeah. it's, it's almost like if i could again relate it to nba as we tend to do on this podcast when ron artest went into the crowd and started beating up fans right <laughs> was that scene oh my god men's basketball is just so violent and blah 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 like nobody it was more those individuals on the indiana pacers and the Detroit Pistons going into the stands. Those were stupid decisions from those players, but it wasn't. Oh, what's it called? But... What's it called? It even reminded me. Sorry, I'm um, Euro 2000 when um, the referee gave a penalty to France to because um, I think Javier did the handball. Those Portuguese players, they went crazy and insane. They refused to accept it. Like Figo got sent off. I think Ricosa got sent off, and it was may- like may- mayhem. Where they're like, oh my gosh, the men's game is like, there is okay. definitely the gender thing. Of mm-hmm. it's being women and why, and that's when it's to come into. And also, the women's game is very young. The first World Cup was only in 1999. This is still a very younger game mm. for women, really. So, for Cameroon, they are, they are not seasoned in doing this competition for many, many times because the women's game is still very young. There's still issues of funding, equal pay. So, for them, they're like, this is a huge opportunity for. Cameroon and for how people can view women, because for for those Cameroon women, there is there's there's they're dealing with stuff on so many different levels for women in Cameroon, what that means, what this match could mean, and 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 so forth. So the emotions just got the, the the better of you. And the thing about it is that it happens, it happens. So if you see, I would understand for England, let's say if it was like one one, and what they were doing actually affected England winning the game. For England, okay, you're obviously the better team. You're obviously going to win because you're the better, more experienced team. Okay, yeah, they were doing the whole thing, but look, it's it, just concentrate on what you're going to do and just eventually win. So it's done. It's finished. What more is there to say? Why are you like, oh, FIFA must come down? No, why, why must FIFA come down on them? Because this is this is, this has happened in, in other instances before. But you have to also keep in mind that you have to accept the female point of view because I know people will not accept it, but the way women view things and react to things are different from how men react and view things. And I just understand the emotions those women would have felt 
because the way those women would have felt, especially being African women and knowing and growing up with African women, I just know how they would have emotionally reacted to them feeling hard done, done by. There are many different things you have to take into account before just having, oh, we are sure be professional. This is no, it's things are far more complex than, than, than that. So, as an aside, you do bring up an interesting context, especially from Cameroon. Like, if anybody knows what's going on in Cameroon right now, um, the kind of problems that that country's having, I, I think their president's been elected for like 3,000th time in the last 30 <laughs> years or whatever it is, like Bia, I think it is conflict between French speakers and English speakers. Like, there's a lot going on in Cameroon right now. So, I'm sure that game meant a lot to those ladies. As you say, if anything goes wrong or they feel like the game's slipping out of their hands or, you know, this is our moment, this is our chance to kind of bring inspiration to our nation and mm. we feel like the VAR decision went the wrong way or whatever the case may be, like you're going to take it in a hard way. And I feel like that's just a human reaction for anyone. Like, for me, I think the best goal at the World Cup has been from the Cameroonian woman, the one that they scored against New Zealand, which was a bloody good, good goal. So Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, but, um, but look, yeah, just stop, stop, stop mourning and just move on, man. That's my, that's my The Freds played uh, Brazil, and they beat them in uh, in added time. So Henri scored. I think she she's the French captain. I believe they're number six. Um, so I put the two years to Henri showing up for France at the World Cup. Must be women's football, and I said, I kid, I kid, salty Arsenal people. And then said, I do have an odd thought about this that I will share on the podcast if I remember. If you're at this point of the podcast, we thank you. This means we've weeded out some of the people who probably don't listen this deep. So I feel like I'm I'm comfortable. I'm in good hands saying this. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, okay. If 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 I tell you that there's um a lady named Henri, and she mm. scores a goal at the World Cup. And there's also a Thierry Henry, but they look completely different. Mm. What was my thought? I want to know, like, do you think you could guess what my thought was when I saw the white lady named Henri and then I had a thought? What was my thought, Half Hope? Like, it's that, it's cool if you don't know, but... They had an affair or something? Or... Nope. <laughs> she, was, she, was, she was named after Henri or something? Why, what? Nope, nope, no. Nope. This is her last name. The thought was, I wonder if you go back far enough. If oh. her family owned Thierry Henry's family. Oh, oh my God. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the, it's, it's, so, like, Henri is obviously a slave name. Like, yeah. there's no black yeah. people in Africa with the last name Henri unless, yeah. you know, you were colonized by the French, in which case. Yeah, basically, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, Denzel Washington. Washington is clearly a slave name. Slave so, I was like, thinking, like, so her name's Henri. So I wonder if you go back far enough for her family, if there was like somebody who owned slaves in Martinique or Guadalupe or wherever Henri's family's from in the Caribbean, maybe there's like a transatlantic link. So that was my thought, but I did want to tweet it because I didn't want to, you know, poo-poo on her parade because it was a good goal. It was a good finish, I, I, but I couldn't say it, obviously. But I was like, you know, I have an odd thought, so I'll say it on the podcast, type of stuff I think about. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I thought you might be able to figure it out, though. It's like they had an affair. Oh, no, right? no, 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 no. I thought it was once he then went to the, I was like, oh, my, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, bother. Yeah, yeah. Questions. How long will it take for women's football to be comparable in popularity to women's tennis, if ever? I have an interesting thought, I think. Now, they say, I think 30 or 40% of football fans are women. So, like, if you're watching 
Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool, Real Madrid, like a sizable portion of those fans are women. I would like to know the percentage of fans of tennis who are women. I would suspect it's higher than 30 or 40%. I would probably mm. say like it's maybe 50, 50, 60, maybe even more than that of women who just enjoy watching tennis. I'm curious, Real Madrid recently just purchased um, a spot in whatever the best um, Spanish league is for, for women to play football. And Manchester United last year was their first team, their first season having a women's team. <laughs> This is the interesting thing about capitalism, and this is my first time saying this stuff out loud, so if it's a bit scattered, I apologize. But this is the interesting thing about capitalism in my mind is that, like, once you hit a ceiling, like, where do you go from there if you're still trying to make money? I feel like men's football maybe has kind of maxed out at what it can do in terms of financial revenue. Maybe the numbers will go up because of inflation or whatever the case may be. But the ground is saturated in terms of like how popular men's football can be. It's the most popular sport in the world. Mm. How much more popular is it going to get? Women's football, however, has been historically underfunded, neglected. And now we're in a time where women's football is becoming, hopefully, something that people can see. Like if we put enough money and time and effort into making the game better and popularizing it, Perhaps more people will go into watching women's football and there will be money to be made there. So now you see Real Madrid have a team, Manchester United have a team, um, what's going on in France and other in other countries, building teams. So my thinking is, if you could build a base of women, and perhaps men, hopefully men as well will join, but you know, um, <laughs> but if you can if you can get a sizable portion of more women to enjoy women's football then I think you could see it maybe be on a level of tennis or co- or women's college basketball in that way. Because I, I mean, if in the effort to make money, entities really take women's football seriously, I think it will grow. Maybe not in our lifetimes or like maybe by the tail end of our lifetimes, but I think it will grow because people will want to make money off a market that hasn't really been exploited yet. I do get the whole point of we've not we've, like, women's football is still growing, and people can still, as you said, like put more money into it. So because we've not really we've not seen its potential. My thing though is that tennis grew with men and women almost at the same time. I never basically I never recall a time when I started to watch tennis where there was no women's tennis. Like when I be someone I started watching tennis. Steffi Graf was as famous as, as Pete Sampras. When I started watching football, women's football didn't exist. <laughs> it literally didn't exist. So I was like, no, it, it doesn't exist. But when I began watching tennis, like, for me, Steffi Graf was as literally almost as, no, no, yeah, yeah, she was as famous as Pete Sampras. They were literally almost as famous as each other. So the same. And I actually used to, when it, during Wimbledon, I always watched the women's final and the men's final at the same time. And the weird thing about it is that there wasn't that much of a difference. Obviously, the men were obviously faster, quicker, stronger, but there wasn't that much difference in quality between watching the women's final and watching the men's final. And when Serena and Venus came, they just took it to a whole different level. But with women's things, I think we are still seeing it grow. So again, you know, that's something to think about. Like, you know, what's, well, who knows what's, women's tennis was like back in the 50s or the 40s or the 60s. But the nature of football is very different from tennis, though. Tennis, 
is really about technique. And technique is not biased, has no gender bias. Technique, technique is just te 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 technique. Obviously, Serena and Venus really brought in the um, power and the intensity that the men had, which again made it a lot, it made it a lot more interesting. Then obviously, you now saw some of the Eastern Europeans like Halep and all these kind of people also, and uh, Mogarutha as well, who also brought in the power and the intensity as well, which took the game to, the, to an, another level. But I think football is a game in which is a mixture of technique, speed, intensity, you know, football. So there's so many different facets into it. And I think football is far is far deeper than tennis. That I think that for the women's game to be at the same level as the men's game, I don't know whether it will I, it has made it's it's the improvement it's made since then is huge. Like even watching some of the games was oh no, there's a made huge improvement. But there is still a sizable gap between the women's game and the men's game. Hence why Carl made a, a, a great point. The women's game is just a different sport. I was like, oh yeah, wow. And suddenly I actually enjoy it more because it is very enjoyable. But I can enjoy it more knowing that this is just a different sport. So I, ha I don't have the same expectations watching women's football that I watch that I have with men's football. Because men's football, I'm watching it fully analytically, seeing all the different nuances and everything because that's just the sport I've known in and out. But for women's football, I just view it as something totally different, which is very, very enter entertaining. So, mm. you see, my main thing about it is that I don't, and this is my thing, I don't think women at large will support women's football as much as women at large will support women's tennis. I think women, more women are more likely to play tennis as a pastime and just do tennis just as like, hey, man, for the weekend, I'm going to do some sports. I'm more likely to do tennis as a sport than play football as as a, as a sport. I said, maybe in 10, 20 years time, maybe that will change of women now going to the park and playing football. But I strongly doubt it's that women at large will take up football as much as they take up tennis. I think an interesting thing about tennis, and it's not really gender specific, it's an individual sport. Mm. So there's an opportunity to kind of connect with one person. And football is a team game. So you kind of connect with a team in some ways. Like obviously, you know, we're living in an era where, you know, people connect with Messi, with Ronaldo, with uh, Hazard, with Neymar. You know, people are kind of fans of players in that sense. But with tennis, that's basically all there is. You connect with one tennis star. So, you know, fans of Roger Federer or Serena or whatever the case may be. And like you kind of get attached to that person from there. So you know how people like, I don't really watch tennis, but I'll watch Serena. Mm -hmm. Or I don't really watch golf, but I'll watch Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I don't really watch boxing, but when Mike Tyson was out there, I, I always made sure to like buy the pay-per-view or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. Individual sports have something different where you can connect to one person and the kind of that. Interestingly, I think football, women's football specifically, I think men's football is kind of established that like, you know, you support your team and it is what it is. Women's football seems to be on its biggest stage internationally, which is weird because once you go international, it, what's going on doesn't really matter. The sports at the Olympics that nobody would ever care about, like bad, no disrespect to anybody that plays these sports I'm going to name, but you know, archery or badminton or table tennis. Like, I mean, yeah, you play it in your pastime, but nobody really cares. But once you put like, this is China versus America or Russia versus Iraq or Iran versus UK. Or once you start going in that direction, 
mm. you kind of create the groundswell of a nation and that can kind of be tilted towards whatever sport or whatever competition you want to put. Women's football needs the money and the funding and the attention to create stars that will stand alone where you don't have to put them in the shirt of the United States of America for Americans to care. You don't have to put them in a Canada shirt for a Canadian to care. If I'm going to be honest, most of the times I'm watching football, if it's women's football, it's internationally because, mm. yo, so Nigeria's playing. I'm Nigerian, for example. Let me watch my country play. Right, right. The quality doesn't necessarily matter. I'm just here to back mine. You understand? There needs to come a point. Obviously, I'm talking in circles, so you know what I'm going to say. But there, there needs to come a point where the the talent can stand alone. I don't need to watch it because it's my country. I don't need to watch it because I'm attached. Oh, this is Chelsea's ladies team. I'm a Chelsea fan. Let me watch Chelsea. No, there needs to come a point where I can just watch it because I like football. And for some people, the game's already there where I can just watch this, enjoy it. I don't care. There doesn't need to be a nation, a country, a club behind anything. It's good enough for me now. For others, I think for most of us who have grown up watching men's football and are used to watching grass those those specific lines, pitch dimensions, and the goals. We're used to watching whatever game that is called. We call it football, but whatever game that is, we're used to what being watching that being played a particular way. Mm. You put different people of different kind of builds and physical capacities, or whatever the case may be. You put them in there, and it's like, yo, this doesn't match. <laughs> so then it, it's mm. skewed in that way. But whoever the Venus is, whoever the Serena is of women's football. That whoever those people are, we need to find those people, those women, whoever those people are. Those are the ladies that are going to take women's football to the next level. And and that either comes with money from a country or you have some crazy dad like Richard Williams who's just like, my girls are going to be the greatest. I don't care what anybody does. We're from Compton and we're just going to do what we do and we're going to become goats. So it's gonna take something like that. Not saying people aren't already doing it, but that's that's just my thought. Well, I mean, I mean, that's why you um, like for me the real the only superstar. Like, look, I mean, people talk about Alex Moore Morgan. The only superstar female footballer for me has been Marta, who is generally has been the standout superstar um, player in the women's game. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, sh- wow, this is this is a truly a special player. But it's like you know, um, I think that's the thing. You, you they're they're not enough individual stars on Mata's level that really transcend the game that can really be like oh like the um maradona the ronaldo the messi and so forth you know so um i mean because look if let's let's if we want to be real let's be real the main reason alex morgan is a star on that level is because of how she looks mm. she is traditionally attractive to people who prefer vanilla in that sense yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if if we're gonna be on, like, um, no, 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 because like, no, it's it suits the fancy because people are like, if you have the looks and you're actually pretty good, oh my gosh, yours. There you go, and then star. you become a star. If if yeah. you want to be real about it, obviously you can have conversations about Ronaldo, what Ronaldo looks like, and things like that. Maradona isn't necessarily an attractive man. Who? Messi is not necessarily an attractive oh, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. But, but the reason we care and people attach themselves to those people is because of what they can do with the ball at their feet. There we go. There Similar we go. to Marta, in a sense. I wouldn't say Marta is traditionally an attractive woman on this on the scale of how people per- perceive attraction, 
right? Mm. What she can do with the ball at her feet is special and you can look at her and recognize it and you can build a brand around that. So maybe another point that we have to make is because they're women, people objectify them in different ways. And then you create stars out of not necessarily the people who should be because of their quality in football, but because of what they look like. And then that could create a problem. But yeah, this is, I think you, you need the individual stars and tennis just, I guess it's, it's been around long enough to where that couldn't be created. Thanks for the question. Merci. Um, name the most clutch 11 of all time. I'll just name this guys. This is my new thing. When people ask us to do 11s, if you want us to do an 11, give us yours. Like, don't just ask for an 11, but don't give us yours. Like, that's that's not cool. So I was like, what's yours? He said the most clutch 11 that he had, 4-4-2, Casillas, Ramos, Terry, Godin, Carlos, Yaya, Stevie G, hmm, Zidane, Iniesta, Drogba, Ronaldo. So that was his most clutch 11. Stevie G in your most clutch 11. Didn't he slip that no one comment. down? If 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 I say anything more, I think this will this will like go on and around. So no no comments, no comments. I prefer not to speak. I prefer not to speak. Um, if the Newcastle takeover goes through and Mourinho ends up as manager, who are the best players he could sign to take Newcastle to at least Europa League qualification? Oh, come on, Newcastle! Oh, guys, come and on. what would what would getting relegated with Newcastle mean for Mourinho's legacy? Uh, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which is why, which is why I'll, I'll make sure it won't happen. I'll make sure that he gets sacked before. Um, they, they, they what a combined up. squad of the U.S. and Nigeria national teams still what? get relegated in the Premier League? I don't think so. No, 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 they wouldn't get relegated. No, I mean obviously they'd maybe finish like tenth. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, don't, I don't, I don't think they'd get relegated. No. How racist were Neville's comments about the Cameroon women's team and subsequent media pylon? I don't think they were racist. I think they were stupid, but I don't think he was going there like, yo, I hate black women, so let me speak. <laughs> like, I don't think it was that deep for him. I just think he was pissed off that his players were getting fouled. And that maybe I would be too. Yeah. Couple more. The narrative that Sergio Aguero is an international flop is a myth. Some bad coaches just decided to pick Higuain over him in key games. Aguero has played well when he's had the chance. Bullcrap. <laughs> Aguero has had numerous, numerous chances where he's failed to show up for Argentina. He kind of has had those opportunities. Aguero has had those opportunities as well. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like the times that he, he has played, he's had so many opportunities where he's not been able to come good for Aguero. I cannot remember one truly great moment Aguero had for Argentina where he scored an amazing winning goal. He has scored a clutch equalizer. I can remember a key goal that he scored. In Salty Gain, all he wants, he scored that amazing goal for Argentina against Belgium in the 2014 um, quarterfinal. Aguero hasn't done, done that, <laughs> you know, so. Um, this question comes from Tapiwa Musa. Would Atleti have been better suited going for a homegrown type talent like they did with Griezmann all those years ago rather than reportedly break the bank on a risk for Yao Felix? And as a side note, why have clubs become so focused at appeasing fans with inflated Hollywood transfers rather than good business and scouting, mainly aimed at the Premier League clubs that piss so much money away? Do you rate Yao Felix? Um, you can't rate a guy because he's got a hat trick in a Europa League game. There's there's talent there. And, he, <laughs> and he, he's got an insane goal in training. I don't know if you've seen him. Ridiculous goal in training. But all he's is a talent. 
So it is a risk, but but then again, what if it's it's it pays off? If it doesn't pay off, okay, let's go screw the ball. What if he is the next big thing? What if he is the next Luis Figo? I mean, if you're Atletico, you look at it like we're going to sell Griezmann for X amount of money. We're going to buy his replacement for X amount of – maybe not a replacement, but just hopefully a comparable talent or comparable talent with that money. So if it doesn't work, all right, we tried, we lost. But it's not like they're just getting 130 or 150 I think it was, from nowhere. PSG got Neymar money from seemingly nowhere, but we know where they got it from, the government. Atletico are using funds that you know from player sales to get what seems to be the next guy I don't know if that's the case again most people have only watched Europa League games so I don't think they necessarily know what they're talking about unless you've been watching the Portuguese league um as for the Hollywood transfers I mean I don't know do you get this feeling that like scouting isn't as big a deal as it used to be nobody wants to really go find that rough diamond or somebody that's in some obscure place you know, it's 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 like Klopp and Lewandowski. Where the hell did Lewandowski come from? You know, that's always much more exciting than yeah. We know about Brands, we know about Hazard, we know about um, Leroy Sane. What about a guy that no one has really heard of? Basically, it's almost like um, Real Madrid with um, Vinicius with Rod- Rod- Rodrigo. Never heard about these guys, but who knows what what these guys guys can do? So that oh, why would Real Madrid really go out and get a Rodrigo guy? It's always a lot more exciting to see what scouting has done because. Great scouting is a great player that nobody has ever heard of. So let's say, I don't know, Casillas in 2003, 2004. He would have never left Real Madrid, right? But let's say Chelsea, who are trying to build their team. Yo, let's go sign Casillas for what would have been a crazy price in 2003. Let's go sign Casillas for 45 million pounds. (laughs) People would have been like, what? Y'all are going to do what? But. They took their time, they scouted at Ren, and they said, yo, this Czech guy for $7 million, let's see if we can make that work. You know, this guy only costs $7 mil. We don't know if he's going to be that good. We have Kudicini. He's been, like, the player of the season before. He's really good. And this Czech guy just turns into, like, a world-class goalkeeper. And that $7 million feels, like, kind of really good mm. in a way that, you know, obviously having Casillas at that time would have been great, right? But there's something cool about your club doing something wise with money, not just spending, splashing huge on one player, but actually like being smart in a way that, you know, big money sometimes doesn't allow. If you grew up somewhere such as the U- the US or the UK and had the opportunity to develop as a player to a much higher level than what you would have somewhere else, would you play for your country of origin or where you grew up? I was born in Canada raised i guess in the united states because we moved to the united states when i was six but if you go by like grandparents and stuff like that i could play for canada i could play for the u.s if i felt like it or i could play for uganda (laughs) it's changed over time i think if you asked me when i was 20 21 where i wanted to play i would have probably said canada so i would have played for canada you ask me today i'll tell you uganda and maybe that correlates with like a, an awakening in me that like kind of appreciates. So, 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 so you've been reading more of those racial books about Malcolm. Mal, Mal, <laughs> no, it's yeah. just like Canada's you've seen you, you've seen the green coat of the Matrix. No, it's it's more like I don't know if we can necessarily name Canadian football stars like that. Like who has Uganda had? Can you name any Ugandan footballer off the top of your head? Probably not. Mm-mm. So if that could be me, and I could inspire my country in that sense i think that would be a dope thing to do 
so yeah, that that would be how I look at it. Obviously, for you, it's quite cut and dry. I, I don't think there would be any other answer except for Nigeria. How much money would it take for you to play for the UK over Nigeria? Nothing you can pay me. Could you offer Have Hope like a hundred million pounds in like gold and land and shit <laughs> to play for the UK over Nigeria? I feel like he wouldn't do it just because no. that would be like a sellout move. It's, it's like, okay, you give me 300 billion. I can buy whatever the hell I, I want and everything, but I still have to live with that thought that I played for no. the colonizers. <laughs> over. <laughs> My thingy. So no amount of money can remove that thought from my head. That's right. I I produced the biggest sellout of my entire life. So there's there is no price that could give me to play for the UK right. or no, no way. So for you is no, but, I, but I, I I love England. I love you, England. I love you, English people. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> keep keep that in mind. Keep, keep that, in. <laughs> <laughs> that stupid trumpet at their games. Easy, easy, it's like, no, come no, on, we, are, we have English, English subs, man. Easy, go easy, go easy. Man. I know, I'm just saying, like, could you come up with another tune or maybe a different key? Like, I don't know. I, we have an extra to do, so let's not get into that. But yeah, no, early in life, Canada, for sure. As I've grown up, I think, not even think, I know what I would do. But this is this is the interesting thing. So if you're someone like Tammy Abraham, for instance, you were born in London, you want to play, like your dream is to play for England. It's a tough dream to get accomplished. You're close, so you don't pick Nigeria at the end of the day. By the time you get to be 28, 29, 30, and you can kind of look back with more perspective, maybe even 32, like I think that's probably like a good age to where you can look back on your teenage years and have some perspective. Do you think about things differently? Do you look back and think, hmm, I could have gone to the World Cup. I could have played AFCON. Instead, I tried to get this dream done that was different. And, you know, it's what I wanted. So I I don't want to beat myself up too much. Mm. But at the same time, that might have been a better option for me. Well, no, no. It's like I, I, I look, I look at Zaha. I was just watching Zaha and in, in Ivory Coast. And I'm like, this was just so much the better decision for him to make. Mm. Because if he had chosen England, would he have been given the same kind of freedom to express yourself and your football in England? Really, I'm not sure. In Ivory Coast, okay. I gotta say that there's just so much more of a freedom of bro, do what you do. Do what you do. We're not. You're going to be confined. Like, well, no, no, no. This is this is how it works. There's no like, oh, you know, I am captain. Uh, you know, uh, Harry Harry Kane is the captain. No, when you're in the Ivory Coast, like, really, you're actually you'd basically you'd be more appreciated for what you are in Ivory Coast than you are in England. Because remember, people in Africa, they always really sort of you can call it bad. They always treated the foreign people better than the people who grew up locally. Even the Ivorians would actually even sort of take a liking. So, oh, this is a guy that actually has lived in England for for a, a for a, a long time, has the English kind of London accent. Could have chosen the two and actually chose us over them. Oh, we like this dude. So, if I was Zaha, I'd look at somebody like Sterling. Like, do I want to really go through that? Like, prove my Englishness? <laughs> I mean, no. Like, not really. <laughs> not really. I mean, yeah, it's like I, Sterling, Sterling, he's, 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 he's chilling, man. He's chilling. Yeah, well, Sterling's actually done it, I think. I don't think that many, I mean, racists are obviously out there, but like, I think Sterling's proven, like, that Englishness, if you will. Not that there's anything to prove, but I think he's done it. Especially, I think he was born in Kingston, so... But I, I personally, I wouldn't want to do that. Go where you're loved. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, no. I said here, yeah. Go. Isn't the saying that like, go where you're um, celebrated, not tolerated? 
It's mm. a good way to end this one. This has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud at Talking Tactics. Next videos. Um, I, I thought you were going to change it up. You know, there's porn, so many porn, porn sites porn. other than X videos, bro. Pornhub. Um, so I've been told. I don't watch that stuff. Wait, what's, wait. what's the game? X Hamster. So. <laughs> Have I was looking through his bookmarks right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm pulling this from memory, guys. Trust me. And trust me when I say that I'm pulling this from from from, from memory. LimeWire, you know. LimeWire, bro. Those were the days. Man. Those were the days. Fair share, bro. <laughs> Hope, hoping for that right stream. Hope, hoping that um, Donald Duck goes to Tutan World is actually the, the the video you're looking for, but it's just been coded that different name. So, oh, the days. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Um, yeah. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. That'd be dope if you're listening over there. Um, if you're on uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, rather, subscribe to the podcast. It's free. Remember to leave a five-star review and we'll read it on the show. Yeah, and if you want to support the podcast in that way, look up our Patreon account and become a patron. It's really cool. We do 30 to 40 minutes for you guys every week. At the mm-hmm. end of this episode, there's going to be a little um the beginning part of the podcast so stay tuned if if you're so inclined then consider becoming a patreon and it would mean a lot um half up where can the people find you you can find me anywhere you want actually it depends um you can find me (laughs) just go to the website halfhopefootballhots.com all my socials are there on the front page why don't we have a website actually it's talking taxes aware website do we need one we probably do um yeah calls at anchorman 616 um he has some pretty cool news I can't say. But yeah, stay tuned uh, on that side of the game. Um, I'm at Daniel to look. This has been Talking Tactics. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Oh, wait for what? See you next week. Stay black. All right. <clears throat> Talking Tactics Extra. Bingo. We're back again. This, this one's going to be tough to do, man. <laughs> I cried, man. I cried. I swear I cried twice. No, no. Like, <laughs> do you know, I, I don't think I've ever watching anything looked at how long it was till it ended i kept on saying like well look, how much more of this do i need to watch man <laughs> so yeah like it was it, it's definitely one of the most angriest i've ever been watching something because i was like this is just like like this is just making me angry man so i have hope watched when they see us two weeks ago like when it dropped basically right yeah i mean basically when i was in paris I watched this on the so I went so I was in Paris on the it dropped on the Friday so I watched it on the Monday. I couldn't bring myself to watch it because I knew what was gonna happen, man. I knew I, people were saying, "Yo, it's so well done," and it's this and it's that. I was like, "So because it's well done, that means like Ava's gonna make me cry, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I don't want to cry, man. Like I'm gonna cry as well." It's it's a weird thing that's happened to me, man. Sports Social Podcast Network.